Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. So I've got Amy on the line. Amy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I have a question about what um, healthy sexuality looks like when Mm. a sex addict is in recovery. One of the things we know about research and sex addicts is that they don't necessarily want sex with their own wife. And so to me, that says he's in really good recovery because he does want that with you. He has been two years sober. He has been in three facilities. And I suspect that's how he's wanting closeness with you. That's exactly right. I'm suspecting the same thing. You know, there comes a time in a relationship where there's been good recovery both individually and relationally for the addict that he's calmed down his brain enough that he really does want that physical connection with his wife. Now, we know women don't necessarily know what to do with that. You know, they have their own needs, and maybe their needs are to be sexual. Maybe their needs are to be held. Maybe their needs are not to be sexual. That might be because of the betrayal. That might be because of their age. That may be because they never were that sexual. There are no rights or wrongs in terms of your sexuality. But it really does make a difference to know what you need physically. And as long as he's in good recovery, it's time to ask him. And that in and of itself can feel very vulnerable And so I really want you to set some time aside and ask yourself, what do I need from my husband physically? What do I need sexually? You know, that may be that he rubs your inner arm because that's what your grandmother did to make you feel safe. That may be that he strokes the back of your neck because that feels very comforting. It may be that you want full-fledged, full-on sex. And that's okay to work on redeveloping that part of your relationship again. Again, if you're in a safe situation. Hi, I'm Carol Jurgensen. She's a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I am so glad to be with you. Because this week is tough. This week is Valentine's Day, right? And Valentine's Day for partners can be really, really rough. I'm telling you, it can be really rough for the majority of men and women out there. I used to write a column in the paper, and I would say, this is way before I did any sexual addiction, more fights occur because of Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day has a certain expectation that um, we would all like to believe 
that we could have our partners meet. And for the normal population that hasn't experienced partner betrayal, many, 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 many partners being, you know, and I'm talking spouses, I should say, feel disappointed. They don't feel like their needs got met. And so for partners who've experienced partner betrayal, uh, amplify that by a thousand. You know, romance, well, maybe you are redeveloping your romantic department, but maybe you're not yet. So what do you do with Valentine's Day? You may have been betrayed in that you got flowers, candy, a beautiful necklace, and then found out that she got the same necklace you did. There's just all sorts of reasons to be hurt by Valentine's Day. And so I'm going to encourage you to think about Valentine's Day from three different perspectives. First and foremost, I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to give to myself to honor me on Valentine's Day? You know, is that a, a, a hot bubble bath? Is that a massage? Is that um, your favorite pastry? Is that curled up on the couch with a good book? Snuggled up in your favorite slippers? What is it that would be nice that you could do for yourself to celebrate you? That's number one. Number two, if you are with somebody now, if you're with um, the person with problematic compulsive sexual behavior, I'm really working hard at, at finding something else besides calling him the addict. Um, but if you're with that person and you really need to say what do I need to feel safe and why don't you go ahead and look at your six needs and those needs are social physical emotional intellectual spiritual and purposeful and then maybe you could ask him what um, for something that would meet one of those quadrants? You know, I what I really need from you is a hug. What I really need for us is to go out. What I really would like is to talk to our pastor together. What I really want is for us to develop some new friends. You know, so pick out of those six quadrants. And then the last thing is what does one need from other loved ones? You know, what do you need from your mother, your father, your community? What is it that you need? Because the truth of the matter is, I just am sure that there are other things 
that you probably could receive from people that you care about that would make you feel special too. Okay? So, what do you need? And, you know, I know that partners have a hard time knowing that, knowing what their needs are. One, because they're women and their needs have been on the back burner. And two, because they've been through so much, it's hard to to identify specific needs. Now, if you're in post-traumatic growth, right? If you are in post-traumatic growth, what you need is to be very aware of what things make you feel healthy, happy, and and whole. And so I got to tell you, having not been a partner, I pretty much know what I need. I can tell you what I need that I don't have enough of yet, and that's sleep. I don't require a lot of sleep, but I know I should. I know that I need more of that. I went to bed super early last night. You can't make up for sleep you haven't gotten, but it just felt good to get into bed at an unreasonable early time and sleep throughout the night. That felt good. What else do I need? Well, I've got my life organized that I have one night of girlfriend night. That's tonight. Thursday nights, I hang out with the same group of girls. It's at least one, if not three or four, and one of those friends I've known since I was 17 and I'm 64. She's been my roommate. She's been in my wedding. Uh, I mean, she's not been married. So we get together every Thursday night, rain or shine, snow. It's snowing right now, but we get together. I have sister night. My very, very best friend is my sister. So we only spend an hour together. She comes over, brings me guac and chips from Chipotle, and we watch our favorite television show, and then she goes home. But it's a real connection. I need date night with my husband at least once a week. You can tell that I don't have four little kids running around, right? So that's what I need. I know that's what I need. I need that for my own mental health. And you know what I need more than anything? I said it snowed today. I walked in the snow. I got out there. It didn't seem too slippery. The snow was wet and delightful. And it wasn't blowing hard. It was 31 degrees. It was beautiful. The sky seemed white. The whole area seemed white. I saw two deer. I mean, I... I just need to be able to exercise every single day. And, dear listeners, I always need to talk with you. My podcasts make me feel very happy about life. And when I run into somebody who says, oh, my gosh, you're Carol the Coach. I listen to you every week. I go, wow, I think I'm making a difference. I think I'm leaving a legacy. I think I'm helping people. And for people to come up and to thank me for that just does my heart good. So that's that spiritual slash purposeful need that you may need to make. 
Now, if you're a mom with three kids, guess what? You are meeting a huge need. If you teach Sunday school at church, wow, that's an amazing need. If you're the one in the neighborhood that brings over cookies to the new neighbors, that's incredible. You know, so what do you do that's purposeful that makes a difference? And if you can't think of anything, then I'm going to encourage you to do that because that will take you out of your own world and that will allow you to give back. And, wow, there is nothing more important than giving back. That's when we truly are in our own post-traumatic growth. Now, I just happen to know that what I recommend for partners to really expediate their healing are groups. Groups make a difference. Groups remind you that, you know, there are other people that have experienced the same feelings. And I know that. And so today we're going to be talking about group therapy and what is that. And actually we've got two APSATS coaches uh, who are putting together this group. Uh, and what's really, really exciting is they call it Two Heart Two Hearts Coaching with Sarah Morellis and Jenny Rochelle. And they're going to talk about why there's two facilitators in the group and what is sisterhood all about and how do you know if a group is really right for you. And that is what it's all about. So one of the things that I know is that In addition to working with me as a therapist and a coach, if I can get my clients into group coaching, it really helps them to connect with other women and find other resources that I may not even know about. Listen, when we come back, we'll get Sarah and Jenny on the line. But first a commercial for me. Hey, listeners, are you ready for a little healing and restoration after betrayal? Hi, I'm Carol the Coach, and we're moving for Tuscany, Italy on July 25th through August 1st, and I would love for you to join us. There is no denying that I want you to find your post-traumatic growth, and one of the ways you can do that is by settling in and experiencing life on a different level. We're going to be staying in a beautiful traditional Italian farmhouse with seven bedrooms located between Florence and Siena. The farmhouse has a pool on a 625-acre winery. The tour is your opportunity to regain your life and treat yourself to adventure, nurturance, and personal growth. And I will be providing morning workshops and a free coaching session just for you. So if you're ready to reclaim your life and live the life you deserve, go to Sex Help with Carol the Coach or Street View Adventure Travel and sign up. There are only eight spots left, so treat yourself to an international experience of connection, reflection, laughter, and support with other women. And just know I can't wait to meet you. Yep, that's right. Going to Italy with partners, and I can't wait to do that with you. Now, you know, it's not a free trip, 
but do go to my website, www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach, and take a look at what this tour has to offer. We're going to be talking about post-traumatic growth. So it is for women that want to feel better, want to feel healthier and happier, and know that they've got at least one foot in grief and mourning and the other foot towards, I think I am better. So I promised you when we came back from the commercial that we would be talking with two coaches who have joined together to make your life better. So Sarah and Jenny, welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Absolutely. And ladies, I cannot believe, if I'm reading this correctly, you are putting together a group and you both are going to be in it. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, you call this Two Hearts Coaching. And I'm going to ask Jenny first, what do you mean by two hearts are better than one? What's going on with this group? Well, when, when Sarah and I decided to work together and I was sitting down to come up with a flyer, you know, to share with the, the community for our group program, I asked myself, what does Sarah and I have most in common? And the answer was, we both have big hearts. And so then I immediately thought, it's so catchy, right? Two hearts are better than one because we all know it takes a village to support, you know, to, to support women who are recovering from sexual betrayal. And Sarah and I both have a, a, a spectrum of different strengths that we bring to the table, but we both bring our hearts. Oh, that makes so much sense. And, you know, I'm a big believer in groups. I've run over 2,000 of them, but they've been face-to-face. And with those 2,000 groups, I always had a co-therapist. And you are both coaches, and you know how important this work is. So I'm going to ask Sarah, you know, what are your areas of strength or, or specialty that you're going to be able to offer your group? Well, for me, um, with the work that I've been doing for the past seven years, especially in group work, I've really come up with, for me and my specialties, is what I call my trifecta. <laughs> and those are mm-hmm. uh, the topics of gaslighting, boundaries, and values. And here's why I call them the trifecta for, for me. For me, I believe that values inform our boundaries. Boundaries are our values in action. And knowledge about gaslighting is what protects us from the values conflicts that we can have um, when we're in a relationship with someone that's gaslighting us or from unintentionally discarding our boundaries. So you kind of need to know about all three because they, they lean on and interact with each other. So I would consider those kind of three topics my, uh, my strength or specialty that I bring to the, the group with Jenny. Well, absolutely, and I want to ask you, Sarah, uh, there may be some new listeners that have just found this show because they've been betrayed, and they may not know what gaslighting is, and I know that you're a specialist in this area, so explain to our listening audience what gaslighting is. Sure, I would love to be able to do that, especially because what I have come across, again, in the past 
um, is that when people hear this word and this term gaslighting and they Google what is gaslighting, they find the spectrum of gaslighting that is really on the extreme side of things. And because of that, they look at it and it further disempowers them. It further confuses them because they're like, well, some of that relates to, to me and my experience, but so much of that doesn't relate. So they kind of shove it away or they, or they get scared by it because it's, again, a very extreme um, kind of definition and concept that's floating around out there. So over my years of working with gaslighting, I've actually come up with my own definition. And that definition of gaslighting is when someone convinces another person through covert behaviors that what they believe, think, value, feel, or perceive is an accurate or invalid. And that invalid part is a really big, important key thing to me because it's feeling like my feelings aren't valid, my thoughts aren't valid, even if they're not accurate they still have validity. And a lot, oftentimes that's where I find a lot of people being gaslit. So that's my definition of what gaslighting is. Yes, that makes great sense. And I know that even from time to time, you run seminars and groups specifically on gaslighting. And so just let our listening audience know, Sarah, how could they get a hold of you specifically? Sure. Um, for me specifically, that would be sarahmoralescoaching.com. Got it. And that's M-O-R-A-L-E-S. And you have Sarah that with is, an H at the end of your name. That's correct. All right. Now, I would like to know, Jenny, what are your areas of strength and specialty? And then I've got some specific questions for each one of you. Okay. So you know, what I'm really passionate about is empowering partners to trust their intuition. One of the questions that comes up a lot is how do I trust myself again? I listened to this person. They lied to me repeatedly. How, how do I know, you know, how, how to trust myself? And I always tell them the key to being able to do that is you have to access your intuition. And in order to access your intuition, you have to have, you know, a regulated nervous system. And, you know, I would absolutely agree with you there. Would you kind of explain what that regulated nervous system would look like? Because I think for most women, when they go through discovery and when they're dealing with the grief and mourning that accompanies sexual betrayal, they feel very, very anxious. But there are some other parts of the nervous system that get activated, are there not? There absolutely. At any given moment, all human beings are in one of three nervous states. We're either in fight or flight, freeze, or safe and social. So when you're in that anxious mode, you're most likely in fight or flight mode, right? Your body and your nervous system are flooded with adrenaline and cortisol. You need to take action. You can't sit still. Um, but there's also freeze which is those moments when you don't know what to do and you feel stuck and, and you have trouble making decisions and processing information. And then they're safe and social. And that's what I mean by a regulated nervous system, when you can feel calm, grounded, present, you know, deeply rooted in who you are and just centered in your own body. Well, those are all important qualities to watch for. And, you know, we want our clients to develop um, 
very emotionally regulated responses to things so that they'll feel like they have more control. And we know there's so much they can't control out there, but that and our coaches teach them how to control their emotions. And you are an expert in that. And so I'm glad that you're both going to be working with this group to help women both in gaslighting and in emotion regulation. You know, we oftentimes say that our clients are dysregulated. They're flooded by feelings. And as a result, um, they feel out of control and extremely vulnerable. So I'm going to ask Sarah. Sarah, you know, you have really marketed gaslighting, and you know that that's teaching women how to get out of that triangle of being gaslit helps them Mm -hmm. to feel safe. What are some tips that you could give our listening audience about gaslighting itself? Um. Well, I think one of the things, um, I think there would be two things. Um, One of the first things is to understand that gaslighting is an experience between two people and not something that somebody does to me. Um, And why this is so important is because if I understand that it's an experience and I can see that experience happening, I can basically say, no, thank you. Right, as opposed to something somebody does to me that keeps me in the place of being a victim. So that would be the first thing that I would say. Um, the second thing that I would say is um, work on identifying your unique red flags in your situation with your, your person that's gaslighting you. Um, that can be um, what happens to you, like I'm confused, I'm conflicted, um, I'm starting to doubt myself is a big one whether it's something they do, like if they're always blaming you, um, if they are saying things that undermine you or power plays, we have to um, begin to identify the things that are the red flags so that we can start to uh, shift that power and say no to those experiences and say, no, I'm not going to let this continue. I know what my truth is, and I'm going to stay connected to it. Yeah, I like that. I like that empowerment tool of women get to decide how much they're going to engage. And the way you do that is very calmly and succinctly and just removing yourself from that situation. That's what you're suggesting that partners do. Exactly. And one of my one of my key phrases that I love to give women to, to say is, you know, let me think about that. If you don't know that what you think is true or maybe they're trying to, um, you know, do the DARVO, you know, AppSAPS loves to teach, teach about DARVO, and that's a, a really great tool, um, and that's redirecting blame. If you just don't know what's going on, just, just saying, I don't know what I think about that. I need some time to, to go and consider what you're saying, and I'll come back to you. It's a great way to just pause things slow down, get in touch with what your truth is. Yeah, and I just um, really believe that for our listening audience, you may have heard of DARVO and you may not have, but DARVO stands for, um, it's deny, right? Deny, attack, uh, attack, uh, reverse the roles, and the person who is, arguing that the addict 
he would then become the victim and make it look like the partner was the offender. And so exactly. I believe that sometimes um, men do this unconsciously. They really all of a sudden, they've gotten so good at defending their addiction that they automatically go to this place to defend their addiction some more. And um, they don't even know that they're using it until we really teach them in early couples recovery work or in individual counseling that they are utilizing that and that is an unfair uh, strategy or form of communication. And that's going to put his partner on the defensive. And what I hear you saying is we get to decide how we experience some of these techniques, just stopping it right then and there, walking away, saying, I'm not going to communicate about this, is a way that you can detach from the power that it could have. Exactly. And, And so what I really can appreciate here is that when women know these techniques, they do a much better job of taking care of themselves. Wouldn't you agree, Jenny? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that keeps their uh, nervous systems regulated because they're not up and down like and flooded by feelings that are understandable, but that they can work on managing themselves. Absolutely. I think the key is, you know, the common thread is to slow everything down and take time for yourself. And that will regulate your nervous system and give you space to sort through whether or not there's gaslighting occurring. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was, that was a tool or a tip for people to slow things down. And uh, that gives them a little breathing room uh, and more time to assess the situation and what they're going to (coughs) do. What are some more of your favorite tools for regulating the nervous system? Well, definitely, you know, being very intentional about slowing things down. I think we feel rushed to make decisions sometimes. And so anytime you can consciously give yourself time to make decisions and like in every decision throughout the day, I feel like we're in this society where we're constantly being rushed and it's this false, you know, false assumption that we all make. So slowing things down, focusing on your breathing. It's a piece what's called a discharging breath where you, you take a deep inhale through your nose and then exhale through your mouth, through pursed lips, like you're blowing out through a straw. And that really helps move some of that nervous energy um, out of your body and helps you slow down. So you just do that repeatedly. I'm an avid practitioner myself of focus on each of my five senses. Anytime I'm feeling dysregulated, there are lots of great ways. There's yin or restorative yoga. I love screen singing in the car. Like that helps me mm-hmm. <laughs> stay grounded. And then to bring it back to where we started, in addition to self-regulation, caring for your own nervous system, we need what's called co-regulation, which we only do with other safe people 
so again, bring it back to like, that's why group coaching is so important for partners to be around a, you know, a facilitator, a coach who's regulated and with other women having that same experience, because even though it's a group of partners, everybody's in a different place on their own story and able to hold hope and healing and strength for each other. So powerful. Well, you're absolutely right. Incredibly powerful. And um, it, some of those things are so simple. I mean, one of the things that I know from my mindfulness classes that I've taught is that being able to visualize taking in that deep breath and perhaps associating that with a very positive color, a color that represents serenity or gratitude or God, um, when you breathe that in and breathe it all the way down to the diaphragm and then you breathe out a color, as you said, through your lips um, that represents stress or betrayal or anxiousness, um, it, it can make all the difference in not only reducing the triggers and the bad feelings, but also in preventing them from coming as easily as they can come. I mean, that's what, that's what partners complain about, don't they, is that they get flooded by triggers and yeah. emotions, and they're not even sure what, what, what brought them out. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Little... You have to turn off your phone. And if you're so... That's that's not us. That's not us. <laughs> that's me. That's me. Oh, that's me. I'm okay. sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I, I thought I didn't that know I, I was had on. two different Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I had two different people on, so I'm going to just if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on a hold and I was wondering what the deal was. I thought maybe you both got your own phone eventually because somebody else called in. Um, so sorry about that, ladies. And, and was he our coffer? Yeah, <laughs> I, think doing so. all that? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I wanted to, I wanted to say mute your phone, ladies. But obviously, we had somebody. It sounds like he had he had an important question to ask, and I didn't want to cheat him from that. But I, I just want to really find out more about this group. So what can women expect? I mean, is there a time limit? Are they signed up for 10 groups? Is it ongoing? What can they expect? Uh, well, at the moment, we are looking at time containers of like 12 weeks. Uh, we feel like that is a good amount of time to let women bond, um, to get the safety that they need in a group, to explore some of the things that Jenny and I each bring uniquely to the group, um, and then take it from there. You know, I run groups too, and I do 15, and then I allow them, we take a two-week break, and then I allow them to rejoin up if they would like to continue, but it also gives them an opportunity to graduate so that we can get new people in the group. So you're thinking mm -hmm. 12 weeks, and then you may have a whole nother list of women that want that group experience, right? Correct. Okay. And so what 
is your criteria going to be? What is on the agenda? Is this an open group where they can talk about anything, or is it psychoeducational? Tell us a little bit more about it. Well, I think that it's not open as far as, you know, once we get started and have um, the group filled, it will it'll be closed um, and for the 12 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. and that way, for this group that we're trying to do, um, we're trying to make it very safe um, because of the way I think it is, especially the types of things that Jenny and I want to tap into with this group, with diving deep into some of the psychoed that um, I'll do with my kind of trifecta, and then some of the, the really important work that Jenny will do with the self-regulation, some of the spiritual stuff that she wants to go into as a spiritual advisor. Um, we just, I think the two of us together, in my opinion, um, we bring such complementary things um, we want to be able to dig in. It's going to be some psychoed, some support. Um, Jenny is really great at saying, let's stop and let's do a breathing exercise right now. So some of it will be experiential from a coaching perspective, not a therapeutic perspective because neither one of us are therapists. But um, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Definitely with the um, foundation being with the mindset of a support group. Definitely not. We don't have workbooks. We're not trying to do a psychoed thing where people are going to have to read and do homework per se. Um, it's going to be more experiential in the group itself. That makes sense. Well, if somebody's having a crisis, they can come into group that day and talk about the crisis. Yes, absolutely. We we will probably have an idea of what we want to talk about in psychoed, but it will be driven by what's going on in in the community and and, and definitely tailored to the needs of, of every woman who shows up. Yeah, that day. If I may, Carol, that's that's one of the reasons why I jumped on asking Jenny to do a group with me. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in the Apsats community for a number of years, and um, you know. Uh, she, she actually found me early in her healing, and um, I saw in her right away um, as someone who was already a coach doing other things and uh, as someone who was going to be an amazing coach. Um, and I told her about AppSats, that seed, many, many years ago, and she recently completed her AppSats training. And once that was done, I was like, I need this girl. I need her to be a part of, of what I want to bring um, to the community, to women, um, because I trust her ability the way I, I now trust myself. Like if a partner mm-hmm. shows up with something, um, to be able to pull from my resources and to pull from my experience and my knowledge in my trifecta, I trust her the same way with this polyvagal stuff that I really never took the time to dive into very much because I was too busy right. with my gaslighting stuff, right? Um, to be able to have a co-facilitator that I trust the way that I trust Jenny, um, it, is, it is an amazing thing. And I'm excited to, to feel confident that pretty much anything um, a partner could come to group with between the two of us, will be able to meet them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so I can't ask you about prices, but are, do the women pay weekly or do they pay all the sessions up front? It's it's monthly. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's what I do too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, well, what else am I forgetting to ask you? Because you've done a great job. I know that if, if people are interested, they need to go to www.twoheartscoaching.com and sign up for a free 15-minute consultation. That's so they can ask you questions and you can kind of assess where they're at together. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And and probably they would speak with me and they would also speak with Sarah because we both need to make sure it's a good fit for, for both of us. Um, and then they get just a little extra bit of love. Mm-hmm. And so it might be that a few people don't know what is the difference between a clinician running a group and two coaches. So would you describe that to our listening audience? What does a coach do, especially in group? Um, okay, well, I can speak that a little bit. Um, for me, one of the differences is um, that I'm neither of us are going to try to kind of go into any actual trauma treatment. You know, I think there's a difference between um, accessing tools and, and showing up in the moment with a tool um, to help, help the woman self-regulate or to kind of dispense information or just to hold space for the women. Um, my belief is that a therapist-led uh, support group is probably going to more delve into um, some of the family of origin issues. They might dig a little bit deeper. They might try to actually treat the trauma in the moment. We're not going to try to do any of those things. We're going to be very heavy on those three things that I listed, psychoeducation, real-time tools application, and holding space. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's a good differentiation. Anything you want to add? Okay. No, I think definitely, yeah, she covered all of it. Obviously, we're not going to diagnose anybody. And, you know, coaches, we operate from the fundamental belief that the person in front of us is whole, and they know the answers. They actually know what they need to do to help themselves heal, and we just help them access that inner knowing and their intuition um, so they can find that healing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, being a coach and a clinician, I know that the two of you have a lot of skills and really work diligently on acquiring tools and tips that can help women work through this. And I just so appreciate the fact that you are willing to do that together. This group's going to be amazing. They're lucky to have you. And again, I want to remind people, if you're interested, now, this is going to be... um, this is going to be face-to-face or online? Online. So anybody from anywhere in the world can sign up. That yep. is correct. Okay. That's why you need to go to www.twoheartscoaching.com and set up that consultation appointment, that 15-minute consultation appointment, to be able to ask the questions that you may have that I did not ask these women. So don't hesitate to do that. And do you have a startup date? We don't yet. We are looking for um, a minimum of three women, but, you know, we're, we're targeting March. Okay, targeting March. 
and you go in 12 weeks, and you'd like to have how many women sign up? Uh, eight women max, we think, is a good amount. Okay. Well, good luck to you. I think it's super exciting. You're both uh, amazing coaches in, in the field. Uh, I thought of one more question I want to ask Jenny because Sarah referenced it. She said, you know, polybagel wasn't my thing. Um, and we all just heard that gaslighting is one of her things. Explain to our listening audience that may not know that biological term, what is polyvagal? So it was developed by a man named Stephen Porges, and it's based on the fact that we have something called a vagus nerve, which is part of uh, our cranial nerves that attach, you know, as, um, at the base of our skull, and it connects down into our gut. And it is what regulates our nervous system. And, and polyvagal theory is something that we are all in three basic states, that, as I described earlier. And so we can learn to regulate and tone that vagus nerve in order to feel safe and social. Just like, just like a bicep or a tricep, you can, there are exercises that you can use to tone it and feel more regulated. Totally, totally, totally makes sense. Thank you. That was a great definition, and I think our listening audience gets that now. So, ladies, good luck, and I wish you the best, and our listening audience better take advantage of this. Uh, do you know, uh, this a, a group that will be offered during the day or in the e- morning, day, or evening? Um, to start, we're going to mm-hmm. offer it in likely the afternoons. Okay. We're trying to make it at least somewhat close to maybe a lunchtime hour. Well, that makes sense. And so if that doesn't work for a listening audience, at least get on the waiting list for a group that may work at a different time. Don't sell exactly. yourself short. Group therapy, Barb, Barbara Stephens and I say this in all of our trainings, it is by far the most effective um, form of support coaching, and uh, psychoeducation that there is. I mean, there's nothing better than being with a group of women who know. And I know that you said that it has super healing powers and it offers an opportunity to show up and be seen, heard, and witnessed by other women who know exactly how you feel. So, ladies, thanks for providing this valuable resource. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Take care. Take care. All right. All right. Thank you much. Okay. So, again, that was Sarah Morales and Jenny Rochelle. And I'm just, um, I'm thrilled when people put together resources because 20 years ago, there wasn't anything available to partners besides counselors like myself, who didn't know what they didn't know and didn't have the skills to work with partner betrayal. And that is why we so believe that um, APSATS is the premier organization to keep you safe, to help you to grieve, and also, most definitely, the organization that will take you to post-traumatic growth. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate our caller that didn't get on. Um, And 
I just want to say there'll only be one of you at all times, so I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself. You make it a great week, and we'll talk to you next week for more Betrayal Recovery Radio. <laughs>